Hey, welcome to the Midtown Sermon Podcast. It's great to have you with us. If you're a first-time listener, you're going to love uh, our February series as we're talking about our vision and where we're going. And if you've been around for a long time, I think you're going to enjoy this too because uh, it's going to be an invitation to jump into the fullness of what Midtown is about this year. So whether you're a first-time listener or been around for a long time, welcome aboard as we talk about our vision based on the burger joint in and out. I know. Join and you'll find out. So if you'd like to learn more about Midtown, go to our website, midtownfellowship.org, and hope you enjoy the sermon. So uh, today, uh, we're continuing our vision series. We have stools up here. Bum, bum, bum. What's going to happen? It's like going into science class, and the teacher has the projector out, and you're like, oh, something different. Um, and today, I told the last service, this, so bear with me because this feels a lot like the first time I went skydiving, which was the last time I went skydiving. And you're like, you're excited and you're, you know, you go through this class that you don't remember. All you know is that you're strapped to somebody you don't know and you're trusting them with your life and you're flying up to 10,000 feet and you're sitting at the door and you're about to jump out into the air and you're thinking to yourself, this is either going to be the worst thing I've ever done or it's going to be the most amazing thing I've ever done and there's really not much room in the middle. So here we go. Because this morning, I want to talk about our vision um, in a very specific way. If you've not been around and you're like, so your vision is we're turning this into a hamburger joint, right? No, it's, it's the vision is, is that we have a vision to care for you. We have a vision to invest in your life. We want to bring you into our community and do everything we can to mature you spiritually we want to do everything we can to mature you emotionally because we believe if you grow spiritually but you don't grow emotionally, then you just grow into a spiritual jerk, you know? So we want to grow you emotionally, but we also want to grow you relationally, and we want to grow you also socially. Our love for God is love for us, our love for ourselves, our love for others, and our love for the city. Love, 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 because everything we're doing here is about trying to increase you into this amazing professional lover. To where, as William Blake said, we were born to bear the beams of love. That that would be the mark of our lives. And so, as we've been talking about that the last three weeks, you can go back and listen to the series. Maybe the best preaching ever. <clears throat> that, <laughs> that we have another step to take. Because when we talk about maturity, we talk a lot about you, 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 you. Because you matter. And you matter to us. But scripture also talks about we. And so, when we talk about us or just me, I have to talk about we too because we need to grow as a, as a community. And we need to grow in a very specific way because of the challenges that we're gonna be facing this upcoming year. In fact, if you'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter one, uh, we're gonna kind of dance around the first three chapters before we discover what these stools are up here for. And if we go to chapter one, verse 10, uh, this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. And he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly unified in mind and thought. So why do you think Paul is saying to them, 
hey, let there be no conflict between you and you guys be unified. Anybody want to take a guess? Because there was conflict. That's right. There was conflict in an amazing community called the church where Jesus was working. They had conflict. They were divided. And their division, let me just let the cat out of the bag, right from the very beginning, what we're talking about today. Let's keep reading. He says, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas or Peter. And still another says, I follow Christ. What had happened in this church is they had taken this right here. And they had elevated it to such a status that whoever was tripping over the rug, whoever was up here, they're the man. They are the man. And that's who we follow. And Paul is going, whoa. If you're going to mature as a community, the first place you need to mature is understand what this place is. So let's dive into it. Now I'm all lost on my notes. I told you, we're either going to hit the ground hard or we're going to float down. Stay with me. In chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, he says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. Are they people that have the Spirit? Yes, they are the church. But he said, I can't address you as people that live by the Spirit because you are still so worldly. Now hang on to that word, worldly, spirit worldly. This is intentional. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? And I love this next sentence. Are you not acting like mere humans? Boy, I wish I had all day to talk to you about how when we are transformed by the power of Christ and we have the Holy Spirit in us, we are no longer mere humans. We're a part of a new human race. We're a part of a new family. But Paul is saying, that's happened in your life, but you're not living like that. You're living like you're still a part of this world, like nothing supernatural has actually taken place in your life. You're living as if your sins weren't forgiven, and then you became a temple of the Holy Spirit, and he dwells within you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're living as if that's not a reality for you. And so Paul is calling them babies because you've forgotten who you are. And what's the most significant thing about babies? Do you not, somebody want to tell me? They cry. Why do they cry? They're hungry. They need something. Let me, let me just tell you. Babies are the most selfish creatures on the planet. All they think about is themselves. They don't sit in their crib like at two in the morning going, you know, I'm really hungry and I think there's something in my diaper, but mom had a hard day and I don't want to wake her up. No, no, no. They want it. They get it. And what Paul is saying, you're acting like that. You're acting so selfishly when you have a wrong perspective of this right here. When you start to say, that's who I follow, this is who I follow. And here's what Paul's saying when he said, we're living worldly. When we become Christians, we're born into a new family. It's called the body of Christ, the family of Christ. In this family, there are new dynamics. Like, some of you are married here. 
Have any of you ever married somebody and then you went to their house for Christmas and realized they had a different way of doing everything? It's called your family dynamic. Some of you are laughing. My mother-in-law is sitting right here, all right? (laughs) And that's what the Lord is saying is that when you've been born into a new family, we have a new way of doing things and you can't bring out there into here. Like, for example, the world out there has a definition of beauty, but the body of Christ, we can't bring that definition in here. Because that's not our definition of beauty. We don't look at beauty as charm. We don't look as beauty as what you see on the outside. Here in the body of Christ, as it says in Proverbs, a person who fears the Lord is to be praised. Actually, it says a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Here, we want to raise our young girls to understand that who they are in Christ and the beauty of their purpose and their power and their strength and understanding why God put them here and understanding what's true in them and how that flows out of them to impact and change this world, that's beauty. So we can't let the world come in here and go, you're beauty if you look in the mirror and the world gives you the thumbs up and says, you're a winner. No, 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 we're not doing that here. The same is true with riches. We don't take their definition of riches and bring it in here. In fact, in James, it says, be very careful that you don't bring the world or worldly thinking into the body of Christ. If you honor a rich man over a poor man, it's called discrimination. In fact, in James chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? And inherit the kingdom? See, here we understand riches, we understand power, we understand all those dynamics differently. So it's no different than when we look at this place up here, we have to look at it differently. When we come into the church, it's almost like the upside down kingdom. And it's true about this position too. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were before you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Wow. That's a slap in the face. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were noble birth. But God chose. I know, swallow your pride now. God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. So he's setting the groundwork of going, this guy standing right here, let me tell you about him. (laughs) He wasn't wise. He wasn't influential. He wasn't noble. He was foolish. And God chose that guy to stand right here so that when you hear this sermon, you'll boast in the Lord. And that's why Paul is saying, isn't this crazy? That we would single out and say, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Peter. Now let's go to chapter three, where he says, you're acting like mere humans. He says, for when when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Meaning you're shutting your eyes to the spiritual What after all is Apollos? Like, who is Paul? Only servants. That's so important. Now remember, I'm setting up where we're going. Paul is only a servant, so is Apollos, whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each of his tasks. Paul said, I planted a seed. Apollos watered it. 
but God had been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters has one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labors. For we are co-workers in God's servant, and you are God's field. You're God's building. Mother Teresa said it in a very different way, but it applies to this. She says, I'm merely a pencil in the hand of God. One of my mentors said that we are simply servants bringing out of the kitchen of Jesus what he's cooking. That's it. We're delivery boys. We're just waiters that are bringing out the goodness of God. But in our culture, especially here in Nashville, what have we done? We love the stage. And so we come in here and we think this is a stage. And we love the person that's in front because it seems like he's the one with the power. And so it's very typical in America especially to have churches that are, that are growing. The bigger, the more influential, the more impactful is the higher that pastor goes. That the church exists to lift that pastor up to where he's on YouTube a lot, where he's writing a bunch of books, and all that has its place, and I'm not criticizing any pastor that is the national pastor. I've worked for those guys, trust me, and I've danced in their world, and I know the struggles that they have. But when you come to scripture, scripture doesn't paint this picture of pastor as being the one that the church exists to lift up. It actually does this right here, that the pastor exists to be the chief servant in a community, to lift you up. That's our role. Do you know that my job is to equip you for God's call on your life? This just happens to be God's call on my life. But you need to find out what God's call is on your life. It could be business, it could be medicine, it could be music, it could be ministry, I don't know. My job is to help you mature into that. But boy, we love to pick sides. Let me give you an example. Go Bama. <laughs> Nobody. Wow. All right. Anchor down. Uh, two. Wow. Did any of y'all go to college? Like, <laughs> let's <laughs> go Tigers. <laughs> wow. All right. There we go. I could keep going through the list, but we love, we love to kind of create our tribe. And that's beautiful. And it's actually fun and it's enriching when we have a tribe that gives us identity and it gives us strength and it gives us purpose and it gives us swag to wear on Saturdays, you know? We love our tribe, but we have to be very careful when we bring tribal mentality into the body of Christ and we start assigning tribes to the guy that's standing in this place. And that's what Paul's addressing. See, when we do that, when we do that, we can't take pride in the body of Christ at cross point. They're competition. We're competing against First Baptist. We're competing against covenant. We're competing like, who's got more? Who's got the best? Did you hear that preaching series from that guy over there? Oh, look what they got, what we don't have. Paul is saying that is dangerous. And it's the enemy that's coming in and distracting us from the maturity that Christ wants for us. See, I can't compete with you and celebrate you at the same time. And Paul is saying, be very careful, church, that you don't let the world come in here. Let me tell you why it's so important. When Midtown started, <clears throat> some of you were here, we started in a music venue downtown, and it blew up. 
like before we knew it, we had like a thousand plus people coming in and they were all young and musicians and nobody had any money and I was broke. I know, there were glorious times. And everybody was saying, go to more services. We had people sitting on the stage. It was insane. Like it really was insane. And our leaders began to pray and said, no, this is not our call. This God's call on us is not to be the next mega church in Nashville. Some churches have that call. I'm not criticizing those churches at all. But God gave us this vision that we need to keep going down. Keep going down, keep going down, serve, serve, serve. Our leaders need to wash feet, feet, feet. So God gave us a vision to be uh, continued to maturity, but through multiple congregations. So we gathered the people from Creef Hall and we gave them a pastor and said, go back to your community. Y'all go do church over there, but we'll be together. We'll be at one church, but we have many campuses. So since that first, we got them at 12 South, we got them in Creve Hall. Do you know that we planted a church in, um, up in Hillsborough Village during the pandemic with Matt Avery? And it is thriving. It is the coolest church plant. Like if you've not been there, like two weeks ago, they did a family, or what did they do? They, they did a directory, photo directory. And they called it the 90s photo directory. So come dress like the 90s, which I resented, I want you to know because everybody came dressed like me now. I'm like, wait. <laughs> They're doing amazing things, but even East Nashville has moved into a new location. They're right off Riverside Drive. They're doing great stuff. Do you know that uh, Creve Hall just hired a new pastor, Jeremy Kemp, who has come in to help us with the ministry of Creve Hall? Napier, which is starting a church, hopefully this fall, we just signed a contract with the Tennessee Justice Center to partner with this new building that they're building. The state of Tennessee is building this great building right in the middle of the projects. And they're renting half of it to us and letting us use the community room to do worship services this fall. You should applaud that. That's like... And here's what we say again and again and again. That's not them doing that. That's us doing that. We are one church. We have six campuses. We are many congregations. And let me tell you, Nashville's growing. Do y'all know that? <laughs> and it's out of control. Do you know that? Now let's put on spiritual eyes. We're the church in this city right now. And here's the spiritual eyes. God is bringing all those people here and God is calling us to minister to them. That's a lot of people. We wanna plant a lot more churches we want to bring a lot more pastors here. And we have to be careful that we're not competing. You know, 12 South, so much better. Granny White, so much better. Oh, Creve Hall, you know, you wouldn't believe that new guy. We need, like, if we don't understand that the guy up here is just a servant, he's just bringing dishes out of the kitchen of Jesus, then we lose sight of who's doing the work in our lives. And we want to spend more time with the pastor than we want to spend with Jesus. And Jesus is calling him to us to him. Wow, there was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? <laughs> I told you, this is either going to hit the ground hard or we're going to float down. Let me tell you why that's so important for our campus, uh, because we are adding to the pulpit here at Granny White. And it's really important for us to have a clear spiritual view, not a worldly view of what we're doing right now. 
So we've been talking for the last, boy, four years. Uh, we uh, have this growing movement, and I've been leading our movement uh, with nearly 40 employees and thousands of people that gather every Sunday morning, um, leading that movement and also leading this campus. And I've been talking to our elders and our leadership and our other pastors and saying, hey, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like, this is like two full-time jobs, and I would really love some extra time to ride a motorcycle somewhere, and I'm not sure that this is the best way the Lord wants to do this. So through much prayer and um, a lot of time in conversations, uh, we are searching for a new pastor to come to this campus who will work alongside of me for a season, but will take over this pulpit for you. Now, let me just back up a little bit and tell you that we started to put this together, and we were going to share this with you on March the 15th, 2020. But something weird happened on that Sunday, and none of you were here. <laughs> Called a pandemic. And so we've been sitting on this and praying for the right time, and our leadership feels this is the right time. So what does that mean? We are going on a search, we're going on a na nationwide search that God would open our eyes to see who he's bringing here to minister to you. That may take us 12 to 18 months, in which time we continue our vision. When he does get here, he'll work alongside of me and we will share this pulpit for a season until he feels comfortable and you feel comfortable that he understands our community, he understands you, he understands Midtown, and is ready to take, take over this congregation, but he will be your pastor going forward. That could be two years away. I don't know, it could be shorter. But here's what I want you to hear. One is, uh, I deeply love ministering to you. I do, I love using my gifts, and any time that you guys send me a text or an email that says, hey, that, that really ministered to me. I cannot even tell you my joy that God would use my gifts to impact the lives of my friends. I love it. It's like, like me getting responsibility for what Jesus cooked in the kitchen. That's okay, but the way I brought it out, man, wasn't that great. <laughs> I, but he cooked it, and I love it. I love ministering to you, and this is a huge transition, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm still the senior pastor of our movement. I'm leading all of our campuses, our pastors, our staff. I'm still here and will still be intimately involved in the life of this campus. Um, but these stools are for your elders. I'm about to bring them up. But I want you to know that change, change is exciting. Change, jumping out of that airplane, that's exciting. I mean, it's, it's thrilling it's anything but boring. It's hard to fall asleep when you're strapped to a guy named Earl who you just met and now you're trusting your life to him. Like, it's hard. But change is also scary. And I understand that too. And here's what I'm saying. Midtown, we need to be wise about how we view this, this position up here. But we also need to be wise is how we handle this as a community, that we can hold gladness and sadness at the same time that we're glad for the Lord increasing the men that are gonna come here and minister to us, gifted men. But we also can hold on to the sadness that change means what was may be different. 
And that's okay. Those are healthy things because in that place is where we experience the joy of the Lord. If we kill one, we kill the other. We can't selectively numb our emotions. Our heart just wasn't made that way. So we embrace them all. So with that said, I want to ask the elders to come up. They are going to, they got some words for us and guide us. And um, we didn't do this in the last service, but I'd love for you to introduce these guys. So they, you guys may not know all these men that are coming up here. Uh, and I'm hopeful I can remember all their names. <laughs> you get put on the spot and you're like, ah, who are you? Good morning, guys. My name is Chris Davis. Um, you know, I rarely come to this service, so a lot of you may not recognize my face, um, but I'm excited to be up here this morning talking to you guys. Andy Brazier, how do I do this so I'm not in the way? <laughs> Dr. Benjamin Farrell, emphasis on the doctor. <laughs> Chad Tuck, Stephen Goss will be talking to us a little bit. John Markham and Michael Gilbert, um, we are your session here at Granny White. Um, you know, and I have my notes in front of me because they uh, help relax me. Um, this, is, this is something that this session has been um, thinking about and talking about and processing for years. Um, and even this morning as I am actually getting up to share it with you guys, uh, my heart is racing. And so my notes will help me um, settle down uh, and make sure that we share with you what we want to share. Um, and really what I want to do is just initiate your involvement in this. And I want to ask you, where is your heart right now? I really want you to stop and take inventory. Are you scared? Are you nervous? Are you sad? Are you like, Randy, I don't really know who Randy is because I just started coming to Midtown. That's okay, too. Um, when I first heard about this, when we were sitting around the fire at Randy's house and meeting, my heart, I could feel it. I literally could feel it fracture as this conversation began. I was sad. Randy has been my pastor personally for 15 years. And I have grown and learned so much about the gospel in that time. My life is totally different because of Randy's involvement in that. Um, and I'm nervous. I, I don't like change. And so not knowing what was coming next made me anxious. Um, but at the same time, there was this incredible sense of confidence uh, because I know that God has good things for us. And as hard as it was to process this idea, um, I rested in the fact that God was saying, my goodness for you, Chris, and for this community in Midtown is for this next man that I'm calling to lead. Uh, the next phase of maturity for myself in this community actually doesn't look like it's coming out of Randy's mouth. Um, and that is a lot to process and to think about and to consider, but I want to invite you guys to, to consider that. Um, you know, but, but to know where is your heart? Uh, you know, and I want to invite you uh, in Psalm 8611, David cries out to the Lord, unite my heart to fear your name. And so acknowledge that your heart might be going in multiple different directions and it's complex, but we can cry out to God that he would unite our heart and turn it back to him. Um, and so I just a few other things I want to share that, um, that aren't meant to kind of tame the way you feel or your heart right now, but, um, but hopefully kind of maybe can bring a little bit of expectation or clarity. Uh, as Randy said, he's not vanishing 
This is, uh, Randy is elevating into uh, that other job that he's been performing, which is to cover the entire movement. And so the new pastor that comes in here will still be pastored by Randy, and we will still see Randy. Um, and that process will take as long as that process needs to. We've already been in the process for multiple years, and it will take multiple years, potentially. Um, we will not rush this. Uh, but at the same time, we're not looking for Randy 2.0. Um, that is not the goal of, of this search. We're looking for the man that God is calling and has been preparing for this pulpit. Um, and the session, these guys, and then the prayer and advisory committee that you guys will meet here in a second, um, we're going to fight for the culture of this place. Um, our value is not to help Randy ascend to his next role. Our value is um, to find somebody who's going to come and integrate into this community. And, and so if that takes a long time, then it's going to take a long time, and we won't apologize for it. Uh, we trust that the Lord is moving and that his timing is perfect. Uh, and then I also want to say, look at these faces, these faces, the prayer and advisory committee that you're going to meet in a minute. Get to know these faces. If you have a question, come and find us. We, are tr we endeavor to be over-communicative. We want to be really transparent in this process, um, and we will endeavor to do that. But if you have a question or a comment or anything, come and find somebody. Um, we, we invite all of that, and um, Stephen will talk a little bit further about how you can engage in that conversation with us. Um, and I didn't do this well in the first service, and um, I want I to take a minute to do it now and say, uh, yeah, my heart is heavy right now, and looking at all your faces, and a lot of faces I do know, and, and being in this process, but we're excited. Like, we are really excited. Um, like Randy said, we can mourn that he is not going to be the one up here anymore. But uh, knowing that God in his perfect providence and timing and love has been preparing somebody to come and say that this is what I have for you in my goodness, that's exciting. Um, and at the same time, there's a, there is a really, this is a great time. This is a really, really good time for you guys to pull back. This would be a really convenient time to cross your arms and say, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this. Without Randy, what does this look like? Uh, Wishy-washy, maybe I'll go. Um, and instead, I want to invite you guys to lean in. This is the time we need you guys to lean in. Pray. Please pray with us. Pray for us uh, as we're on this search. Pray for this place and engage. Um, if your heart is kind of on fire right now, it's for love of this community. And so press into that. I ask you, get into a small group, volunteer, Kid Town, the hosting group. We got the men's ministry going, women's ministry. There are a lot of opportunities to actually push into this community. And I want to encourage you right now, if you feel a bit of a pulling back, to recognize that, acknowledge it, honor it, and then actually step further into this community. Thank you. I'm Stephen Goss. I get to talk about um, what this is going to look like going forward. Uh, we've assembled an amazing team of, I say men and women, it's men and women, um, who have walked along with us already. Um, we're relying on them a lot for their wisdom uh, through this process. Most of them are here. Can you, can you ladies stand up? Um, so we have Cami Ott, Kara Goss, Jen Colquitt, Georgia Farrell, uh, and Lauren Tuck's not here. 
she's the brave woman that married Chad. Um, <laughs> and then Jeremy Holly, he's the good-looking guy that plays bass over here sometimes. He's at the beach having fun. Um, but you guys can sit down. Remember their faces, though. Um, they'll be participating in monthly prayer meetings and updates, briefings during the search. Uh, a big important piece they're playing is they're providing uh, daily prayer support during their quiet times. Um, serving as representatives of Granny White um, to answer or redirect questions that you may have during this process. Um, share insights and general concerns, needs of the congregation regarding the search, uh, and taking a lead role to transition this new pastor and his family into our community before and after they get here. Um, let me say it again. It's already been said multiple times. He's, this guy's not going anywhere. We're not losing Randy. But our, our, our logic behind bringing this to you guys now is to just let you know we have worked hard. This process has already begun, and we are working hard. This search, I mean, God could give us that unicorn in six months or 18 months. We don't know. What we want to tell you guys, and Chris has already said it, we're not in a rush. We're here to fight for this campus, and we believe wholeheartedly that God has prepared this person and his family to come here. We just have to wait, and we know there's been so much unity with our advisory and prayer group and these men up here. We know that God will bring the right person, so we just want to pass that on to you. Um, this is just the beginning of the process as far as you're hearing, but know that it's we've put a lot of time and prayer into it before we even announced this to you guys. And then Corona happened. We got to pause for two years. Even though we paused on announcing it to you guys, we've been working hard, so know that. Um, we've hired um, McGowan Global. They are a, a, a search firm. They um, specifically do searches for PCA candidates. For those of you that, that don't know, we are a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. That got a laugh in first service, too. <laughs> so apparently, a lot of people don't know that. Um, the, uh, and, and like I said, we as the elders and, our, and the prayer advisor group, we're, we're working hard. We're we're going to fight for you guys and fight for the right person. Um, what you guys can do, please, please pray. Uh, we need that so much. Um, get informed. Uh, there's a slide that has a, a new website link that are going to have all kinds of facts, uh, keep you updated about the search. Um, I believe there's an email going out today, um, and the info on the website will be up today. Just to, We want to over-communicate with you guys. And then there's a place, there's an email address that you can see there for questions. Um, and please bring your questions. Bring them, send them by email, come find us, come find somebody on the prayer and advisory team. We want to hear where you guys are at and what you're feeling. Um, and just like I'm going to reiterate what Chris Davis said, just stay engaged. This is a time for us to be more unified than ever. Um, we believe God's doing a, a, a good work here, and he has, as always, he has our best in mind, no matter what we're feeling right now. And we're here to help you guys process that, too. Um, we love you guys, and we love this campus. Um, I think Camiot's going to come pray about all this for us. Let's pray. Lord... Help us to sit at your feet right now and trust where you're leading this congregation, Lord. We pray for unity. We pray for unity for us as a congregation and us as a team as we seek out what you have for us here. Lord, we pray for Randy. 
We are so grateful for his care and his leadership. I pray that we would care for him and Renee right now as they feel a call to move forward in what you have for them. Lord, I pray that we would sit at your feet and be patient, that we would acknowledge how we're feeling and that we would trust it in your hands. Lord, we pray in advance for who you have for Granny White, Lord, we pray that you would lead them here and that we would accept them and that we would trust where you're going. Lord, it's so easy to want to control or want to back away. Lord, and I trust that you will lead us, that you will help us to engage and commit. Lord, let us just sit and wait on you. We trust that Randy has heard from you. We are so grateful that he has led us so lovingly. Lord, we're grateful to be yours, and we're grateful that you're in control. In Jesus' name, amen.